0: At this point, usually I chit-chat with Chris, but Chris is sick. So if you're listening, tell Chris you hope he feels better and that you miss him, uh, because I certainly do. But today, I am joined by a special guest, uh, one I am very excited to have join us. Uh, Luca, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, because I will probably also butcher your last name.
1: (laughs) Hey, hey. Thanks for having me. Hi, Chris. I hope you will feel better soon. Uh, my name is uh, Luca Guidi. Uh, I'm a Ruby developer from Rome, Italy. And you may know me probably for my open source contributions, mainly Redis Store in the past and now Hanami, which is a full stack web framework for Ruby, of course.
0: Awesome. So I just kind of... Want to jump in? And before we kind of get to Hanami and I guess even Ruby, I just wanted to know, how did you get started in programming?
1: Oh, I'm a kind of a cliche programmer, if you want. Uh, so, yeah, I was I a my interested in computers and technology since I was a, uh, a kid with the video games first um yeah in the 80s um by the way i'm wearing a nintendo t-shirt right now i know you cannot see that but you know that is the kind of cliche i was talking about and um yeah that was nintendo first when i was a kid and then i have got my first computer class after uh, the elementary school and since there i started to program with a you know basic basic the, the language you know? And then I grew up and uh, the passion for computers, for programming is still uh, burning as we s- speak right now. Uh, I went to the university, picked up uh, computer science, but then I dropped out because in the meantime, I started doing a full job uh, still with programming and since then never stopped.
0: Awesome. We share a, we share a similar experience in the going to university and then getting a job and dropping out
1: yeah yeah you know uh the ironically i was um i didn't pass the exam of web development (laughs) really (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was uh, i mean i was in the middle of my of my university career and then was this um Professor that used to teach C, the language, and he was moved from C to web development. He was kind of frustrated by the by that, you know, change in his uh, career, and then started to um, basically do an exam where nobody passed. And at that time, I was already doing web development, and uh, I said, "Okay, university is not for me. I'm done with this shit, and just drop out."
0: So, All right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh I always struggled with math and it I don't think it's from like a lack of being able to do math. I think I was just really lazy <laughs> and didn't apply myself. But I was like I was in a data structures and algorithms class and the like the other people in my class were in like linear algebra and all these like really advanced maths, and I was still in like college math, which in the U.S. is like a prerequisite to get into any other math class. (laughs) So maybe this isn't working. Yeah. Cool. So we kind of have your history of, you know, getting into programming. I want to know when you got into Ruby and kind of what led your your career into that.
1: Oh, um, we are talking a lot of years ago. I was doing uh, Java as a junior dev and uh, for a few years and I was classic enterprise environment where I used it to work for at the time I was you know, working as a consultant for a big consultancy firm uh, for uh, the Italian highway company and it was okay. a classic you know enterprise environment where there was you know these uh, those legacy Java um, projects and from one day to another hey just you know maintain those projects and they were uh, not well uh, written and uh, without any framework and java to me was too uh, intimidating let's say because i didn't grasp at the time oop or interfaces for instance so i end up for you know, doing my job basically to, to, to get a result from something, uh, casting, uh, three times a value and all that headaches that come from, uh, not well written OOP in languages where there is a strong, uh, strong typing. So when I discovered Ruby, I said, Oh, really? There are no, um, Data types, not not yeah types enforced in this language. Oh, I want to learn more, and uh, yeah, I uh, since then I said okay, I want to use Ruby as a main language, and uh, that happened. Uh, we are talking about uh, two thousand six. I remember I discovered Ruby through Rails and Rails through Scriptaculous, uh, which used it to be an old JavaScript framework. And there was this little banner in uh, in this script website. There was, was Rails zero uh, point one thir- well, thirteen something like that. So it was oh, a pre yeah a pre one era. And I discovered that uh, by reading the DHH book that he wrote with uh, Dave Thomas for Prague Prog, and then the Pickaxe Ruby, um, Ruby book, and then that's my history with Ruby.
0: Wow. So that uh, the Rails book, is that the Agile Web Development
1: yes. with Rails book? That one, exactly.
0: Wow. I, I didn't know that existed like pre 1.0 because that book is still around. Like they upgraded every Rails version. Oh, so, okay. Um, so you're into Ruby. Uh, one thing I kind of want to ask here is so you, you've written a lot of articles, um, about kind of like architecture and software. Um, you've also created an entire like web framework, which we'll also get into in a little bit. Um, but you mentioned you made the shift from kind of like from Java into Ruby. And that was kind of early on in your career. What kind of led you to like learn about, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, software architecture and patterns, was that all in Ruby and what was that experience like?
1: Yeah, mainly all the time. Um, since I switched to Ruby, I of course tend to uh, improve myself as a programmer because I recognize that uh, I was still a junior developer. I want to learn more about computer programming, and then I started to uh, get into the classics or uh, classic books like. Uh, uh martin for everything martin for wrote and so on so that was my kind of um uh, of basics uh, for uh, foundations of my improvement of my path to the seniority if you wish um yeah uh, and then uh, it was the realization uh, on my day job that say, okay, this is not working properly. It's hard to maintain this piece, of, this piece of software. Let's see how can I apply the knowledge that I'm reading on the books to improve this software, and that worked uh, most of the times. And, and then um, it was mainly with the, with Ruby. Um, but then, lately, in the last few years, because I'm doing a part of, as part of my job, I, I read some uh, Go code. I started to look at, you know, a completely different language and start to learn how can the principles of Go can be applied to Ruby as well. Uh, not not uh, something really specific, but uh, spreading the day job into different languages helps you to uh, keep a fresh eye on, uh, on Ruby.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. That's been kind of a thing I'm learning lately too. um, Because, you know, in the day I just work in Ruby, but like last couple of years, like everybody, not everybody, a lot of people talk about like, you know, functional programming and they start to like, it's like it's being rediscovered and people are kind of preaching the benefits Um, and there's a lot of things I'm like learning, like paradigms in there that I kind of like, I start to apply in Ruby and, you know, you can't just like pick up functional programming and just like put it into Ruby, but things like dry RB and ROM and things like that. And, um, even some of the Hanami stuff, like it's starting to like, make me feel like I'm writing, you know, different Ruby and sometimes better Ruby.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, well, uh, speaking of uh, functional approach, let's say, in Ruby, uh, I started looking as well, uh, also because uh, I, we are doing a uh, you know a really, really close collaboration with the dry and ROM uh, since a few years now. And uh, yeah, I discovered that basically uh, nasty bugs that may happen in large applications are sometimes due to um, unnoticed mutation of uh, objects. Uh, so, having uh, one of the borrowing one of the principles from functional programming, like immutability, helps you to reduce the amount of bugs. Or another um, structuring the objects following a strict pattern of uh, um, passing uh, dependencies to the initializer of an object and params to the main method, which usually is called, helps you to to draw a line in distinguish between the dependencies and uh, what is the data that you are passing on and you are manipulating. That clear distinction, uh, distinction sorry, uh, helped me a lot in my day job, where I partially use Anami to write better a maintainable Ruby code in general.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, there's a. I can't remember if it's Tim Riley. Um, I can't remember who it is exactly. Somebody has a talk on like functional programming uh, in Ruby or like applying the applying those principles, and they talk about when you have like a, a Ruby class and you give the dependencies like initial initialization. So whether that's like the constructor or some kind of like container or like dependency injection they talk about you have this object that's like reusable because uh the like the only if you're doing any kind of like action on it you're sending all the params through in a method and so this object is just like instantiated once and called over and over again with different arguments and i think that's so fascinating
1: yeah we are uh by the way uh we are modeling the hanami uh, around this principle, uh, and I gave a talk as well uh, last year, I guess, um, in uh, in Moscow, uh, and explained why that is important and um, to to structure apps like that, and how we are uh, going to uh, follow those principles and apply. Uh, to to Hanami, it's uh, I really recommend that not not because I gave the, the the talk, but because we start I start the presentation with just explaining call the, the you know functions in terms of procs or a method that responds to call, and we dive a I dive sorry uh, inside the the details of uh, side effects, immutability, and so on. But everything is Ruby. Uh, everything is simple it's you know take i take uh, baby steps to get through that and i again i recommend that if you are looking into are interested into functional programming uh, applied to ruby
0: awesome yeah that's really that's really exciting to hear so we we kind of talked about uh kind of the some things coming in hanami um before we dig more into that i want to ask what inspired you to write, I guess at the time, Lotus, uh, now Hanami? What, what kind of led you to do that?
1: Well, I recognize that uh, Rails architecture had limits in terms of uh, large, uh, in terms of maintainability of large apps. Uh, I think Rails uh, uh, is a great framework for starting uh, uh, new projects. Uh, but you are left alone when this project is one year old or you know even older, so uh, sometimes okay, sorry, I had a problem with the computer sorry <laughs> um I was saying you are left alone, kind of left alone. The, the Rails uh, doctrine, if you want, uh, it's valid only for uh, the, the the bootstrap of the project. But you are uh, a little bit alone. And I've seen uh, the, the Rails uh, way applied to large uh, code bases, and uh, they turn to be, if you don't, you are not a dis- disciplined team. You end up with a you know a huge mass of uh, controllers that are long. 1,000 lines of code and so on. Uh, so I said, okay, let's uh, not just complain about this, but let's do something useful for the community. Um, just to you know, as an experiment, to to show that it's possible to do otherwise, to think about maintainability since day zero of your project without sacrificing productivity. So I started saying, okay, let's do this, you know, experiment, and that turned into. Lotus and then Hanami. That's awesome. Uh,
0: One thing you said I really appreciate is you were like, you know, let's not, let's do something that's not just complaining. Let's, let's turn this into code. And I think that's cool. So uh, while we're, while we're there, so you've, you start kind of experimenting. What are some of the kind of key things, at least starting off? I know you've learned a lot probably the last few years. But starting off, what are some of kind of the key things you said? This is how I want to be different from Rails.
1: Okay, again, maintainability. That means, for instance, um, one you know trivial thing. What I think is it's important the lack of proper views in Rails. Uh, that I've seen ERB files cluttered over and over, and I said, "Okay, this is not uh, the the way to go." Let's back uh, give a kind of backhand for a template and assign a view, uh, a view object that is a kind of uh, context for rendering uh, a template. Uh, that is one thing that uh, was clear in my mind since date zero. And another thing was about uh, the separation of. Uh, vertical slices in your project uh, i worked on projects that had uh, inside the same code base and same the rails app um you know the user facing uh, website slash the uh, user facing app slash the admin panel slash the api <laughs> and so on and right. several yeah several products everything you know uh Crammed inside the same repository, um, uh, without a clear separation of those. So um, the idea of support vertical slices uh, inside um, inside Anami was uh, something um, that I want to support since day zero. So you have a separation of those because, but it's a clear separation. And the day you say, hey, this is not gonna scale anymore, you can. Pick that slice extract into a separate repository into a separate server whatever but it's ready for extraction hmm. yeah that that was one of the two uh, elements that are on top of my mind
0: yeah that's awesome the I think the first time I ever like worked with Anami um, I was still pretty like early in my career like even as like a rails developer but I remember uh, sitting down and there were I think three things that kind of stood out to me. And like, I, I tried to like give a talk on it one time and it was kind of about these things. The The separation of view and template um, is really like, I really enjoy that because there's a lot of times like in rails apps, um, there's, you know, there is no like layer between the two. And so I end up using something like a decorator or presenter um, kind of as like, I don't want to put these like view related methods on the model and I don't really like want to make a bunch of rails helpers. Um, so yeah, I really appreciated that. Um, and also, like you said, the separation of apps like that never really occurred to me before that, because there's a lot of times I was like building these admin panels and they weren't separate apps. They were just like namespaces. So like, the user facing app is like in the root directory. And then there's an admin directory that has a whole nother like world inside of it.
1: And then, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, apart apart from the, you know the mess that uh, it may happen when you're uh, in a fast-pacing world like startup startup's world, it may happen that you commit a lot of um, scenes, if you wish to, to you know just cram code over code, features over features. Uh, but the point is, uh, when, when you when you allow uh, you're too permissive as a framework, uh, then there can be a kind of abuse, if you want, uh, from developers. Whereas uh, a framework that has more strict boundaries uh, helps you in the in the long term, I I believe. And again, I I support with Anami the concept of monolith first, which is something that still uh, Martin Fuller uh, bring to the to the computer science community that means uh, go ahead and uh, write your monolith because it's the fastest thing that you can uh, do for your company Uh, but then I still believe that uh, there is a in the long run after five years of a monolith you might want to consider to structure to have a better structure of your in um, infrastructure of your uh, of your product and then is the time when you want to to say hey to thank your framework because you it allowed you to draw a line since the first day you were at that project
0: yeah that's awesome um <clears throat> the third thing for me Uh, was I remember sitting down like looking at the controller section and each controller action is its own like class. And I was like, this feels so good. Like uh, little tiny pieces that are like kind of singular focus. Um, I would love to kind of hear like how you went with that structure, like why you went with that. Versus having one big controller
1: file with a bunch of actions. Uh, because I didn't like big controllers. No, I'm joking. Right. Uh, yeah, the point is that um, with with large controllers, you end up having a lot of private, of private methods that are used, uh, you know, with uh, by one action or another action and so on. So there is no. Um, single purpose of a controller whereas if you uh, shape around an, uh for each endpoint you have an object uh, everything that is in that object is useful for serving that http request and they are much easier and much lightweight much easier to test and much uh, lightweight to to be loaded for for the for the Ruby process. So, uh, still today, I have to explain this uh, this uh, distinction. But to me, really, it feels more natural to have one endpoint, one object, rather than uh, you know a bunch of endpoints assigned to the to the same objects. So, sorry, to the same object, which is a Rails controller. It it feels in, unnatural to me. It's more again natural to have one endpoint, one route, one object. One-on-one relationship. That's
0: it. Yeah, it's great. It's a it's a pain point I didn't realize I had until I saw that. And another thing I think too, like when I'm like testing applications or specifically Rails applications, like I dread testing controllers because there's usually like so much in that world that you have to test. Um, so yeah, it's cool.
1: Yeah. That's- uh, uh, another yeah another point that um, you know this is a kind of answer to the to the other question on um, before uh, the difference between rails and anami that was another uh, pain point for me testing uh, controllers or actions whatever you want to call them uh, here want say i don't want to expose uh, i want to expose objects to the end developers so they can Pick those objects and do whatever they they want to do. And in this case, you instantiate an action and you unit test it without simulating HTTP request. That makes your life much much easier because you pass a hash that simulates your params that you get from the actual real request, and uh, you invoke call, and that's it. I want to make the life easier to developer again exposing objects in as a main API of the framework.
0: It's so refreshing. Um, so real quick, I would, uh, we mentioned Lotus. I would, I think if anybody's listening, not familiar, uh, do you want to explain kind of the name change from Lotus to Hanami real quick?
1: Yeah, that happened three years ago. I called it Lotus, uh, because I like the name. I have a tattoo, uh, with a, with a lot of flower in it. It's long tattoo on my uh, my uh, left arm. And uh, yeah, uh, I said, okay, I know about uh, Lotuses as being a, a well-famous uh, piece of software, but that is for office automation. This is a web framework. Uh, people can tell the difference. And then I've right. got, yeah, I've got um, an issue over GitHub uh, issue tracker of uh, an employee of IBM and say, "Hey, uh, I've got confused when I saw your name. Um, this, you know, this framework because uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, IBM, IBM is uh, has a web framework around Lotus, their office thing." Uh, and this may generate confusion for people. So, uh, to be honest, I again I never considered that uh, a potential name clash. But then I've uh, been in touch with a a lawyer. Uh, She's specialized in the you know copyright, computer, um, um, open source um, um, cases and so on. And she advised to change the name because at that time. It was very unlikely that IBM can sue me, but she said it's uh, you know your uh, copyright works like this. Uh, the, the trademark is registered per industry, so they are uh, in the right position. They registered the, the Lotus term as uh, in computer uh, in software long time ago, and uh, you cannot eventually register that copyright. That was the first point. The second point, uh, if you become famous, she said, uh, you uh, always need to explain that it's Lotus not from IBM, but it's the Ruby framework. So it's like, you know, uh, founding, a, uh, I don't know, a techno uh, project, a techno music project, and call it The Queen. So you have always to explain that tech, uh, you are The Queen techno project and not The Queen rock band just to give you a music analogy. So I said, okay, let's change the name. And luckily on my tattoo, I also have cherry blossom. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, I um, decided to call it Hanami, which is a Japanese word that uh, um, is um, a holiday that happens in the uh, beginning of April and uh, where people, families, friends, and relatives go together on the outdoor Uh, to have uh, to spend time looking the cherry blossom to cherry trees to blossom Um, and this name is a kind of a bridge between the western Ruby community and the Japanese one because we don't talk too much each other so it's a kind of bridge of uh, homage to Mats and uh, the fact that Ruby was born in Japan and we tend to Forgot about that.
0: That's awesome. I, I actually didn't even know all that. That's really cool. So we're, we're at Hanami now. And uh, my next question is, how's the reception from the Ruby community to, you know, another web framework in Ruby? Uh
1: Well, it's uh, it's uh, again it's hard to explain those kind of points because people find uh, Rails so convenient and uh, don't don't forget that Rails is a framework that uh, is emulated also in other languages. They uh, still today they try to build Rails in an Another language, so it's hard to communicate the value uh, of anami over time. But we have a, a decent community. I hope that this community can get bigger over time. Uh, and for people, I, I received over the time uh, this question: if I want to air quotes kill rails, it's not my goal Uh, but it's just you know to give uh, the community to single developers companies um, two options one can be rails and one can be hanami the reception i I mean the adoption of course there is not even they are not even comparable but you know from time to time we are we are getting bigger yeah that's
0: great that's I kind of thing to I've been thinking about a lot recently is, you know, like both, both can coexist. Um, it would actually be um, to me, it would be kind of a bummer if like rails was the only way, like we have no room in the Ruby community for anything else. So yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, you know, that kind of monopol uh, monopoly, uh, you know, being just, with a one option is not healthy for um, communities, for democracies, and so on. So uh, it's good to have uh, other ways to, do, to build uh, web apps in this case.
0: So um, now we're kind of at this point where I want to ask, so you're
1: on the verge of releasing Hanami 2.0, right? Yeah, the alpha version uh, will be out uh, later this month. Uh, with a, a narrow set of features that we have right now in 1.3. Beware, this is just an alpha version, a kind of preview of the principles that we are applying uh, to the framework. So it won't be fully functional, but you get an idea, a sense of the direction of um, of the framework. And again, we are applying all the principles that we discussed in this uh, uh, during this uh, this chat. Uh, that means a blend of functional approach and we try to use immutability as much as possible uh, in the first place to avoid um, nasty bugs that are hard to trace to encourage uh, multi-threading in, um, in some cases and also to uh, reduce the memory footprint of uh, uh, the web application uh, by doing so basically uh, freezing all the objects that belong to the to the framework and reusing over and over for each incoming request i oh, didn't that's... sorry i was saying that's cool oh thanks i didn't run benchmarks um yet because uh, it would be silly to do at this point at this stage of the development but uh i feel um i feel uh confident i um, rewrote the router as well to because we it was depending on http router which at this point is uh, maintaining it's uh, an old gem and this new version is uh, much faster and by using those, ki- those prin- principles it's also faster than uh, than 1.0 we will see uh, how it goes for the for the whole uh, anime projects
0: that's exciting so there was um i think it was a blog post when 1.3 released and it said you know moving forward we're focusing on 2.0 and we're also kind of and you mentioned this earlier like deeply Working with like the dry RB team and the ROM team uh, for this release, do you have maybe some specific examples of you know how you're working with them and maybe on what you're working with them?
1: Yes, absolutely. Uh, We already in the 1.3 since 1.0 series, we had an integration with uh, uh, both ROM and dry libraries. We uh, try to. Expose uh, to facilitate the access to those libraries that sometimes can be hard to to grasp. Uh, but now what we are doing is basically uh, on the dry side is to reuse as much as possible the libraries that uh, um, Dry is offering. The goal is to reach uh, the maturity of that um, ecosystem. So we are uh, using Anami uh, as. Uh, an example of how uh, dry gems can reach the maturity um, in terms of adopting them. For instance, for the configuration, we are planning to use dry configurable. So, uh, it would be tight. Uh, would be we will kind of sit. The will be kind of first citizens for for the dry ecosystem, and um, that helps to again to get dry. More mature, but at the same time, for us to reduce the uh, the repetition of libraries of maintenance effort that we have between Hanami, Dry, and ROM. Uh, so, uh, Dry is for the low-level stuff. Uh, I recently wrote um, an inflector library uh, directly on the Dry ecosystem because it made more sense to to be to live under there. Uh, ecosystem, and we are directly uh, adopting it, and that reuses code from Hanami uh, Utils, for instance. And we are, you know, dropping that part of Hanami Utils to have just one focused efforts, effort on inflections, for instance. And uh, the other part is uh, uh, the view layer of uh, Hanami would be based on dry view um, that brings uh, the experience of the dry community, but also the experience will, dry, will be driven by the experience of uh, of Hanami. So we will basically drop what we have right now. Uh, team is rewriting the, the view layer, and then basically it would be the same thing. Dry view and Hanami view will be the same thing, but you will still see the Hanami namespace, but it would be the same thing. So we are trying to merge... Stuff that is clearly overlapping with uh, with dry with ROM. Um, the fact that we integrated uh, ROM for the repositories and for and dry types for the entities uh, helped a lot. Uh, uh, ROM to understand how to improve usability and uh, the plans for ROM five um, are to try to port features from. Uh, Hanami repository from Hanami model into directly into ROM to facilitate the uh, newcomers to use ROM directly. So they would, would be close given the experience that we matured in those years of uh, Hanami.
0: That's really awesome. It sounds like the three kind of projects working together is actually in a way helping each individual project on its own. And that's really neat
1: yeah that's what what's happening, and we you know discuss every day about uh, uh, how we can improve the libraries and uh, the you know the design of the code. We are kind of I don't want to say the same team at this point, but you know we are still keeping the individual ecosystem uh, as they are, but we are going in the same direction, working day by day, day by day basis uh, towards that goal.
0: That's great. My, I only have a couple more questions for you, um, and hopefully they're a little more brief. Do you uh, do you find yourself working in any Rails applications these days?
1: Yeah, work is my day job. I work uh, for the N. Simple. We have uh, the, the flagship product is a Rails app. Inside that, there is a Hanami mounted in it, which powers the API. Uh, so I. Work more on the back end of the things uh, both on the API and the back end of of code so uh, lately I don't see any UI any rails specific thing uh, and i I'm happy working on the back end uh, so yeah the ecosystem is still a rails but uh, I work mainly with uh with Ruby and as I said with uh, a few things with go yeah okay cool
0: um the other question I had, uh, and we can we can kind of wrap up around this one. Uh, so you are you're working at Go. Some at work. You have what I assume to be some experience in other languages outside Ruby. Um, what kind of keeps you, you know, in 2019 still using Ruby?
1: Oh, I love it. I love it. That's that's the main reason. Uh, I still feel comfortable and uh, to be honest if I have to look back at the at how Ruby was um in uh, when I started using it it's probably um it's probably uh, it's a completely different language in some ways and the core team of Ruby is doing a great job not just improving speed but um Trying to adopt some principles that I like, for instance, uh, in uh, Ruby two point six is the composition of uh, procs, which is uh, screams for you know uh, functional programming. And uh, right. the language is getting better. I'm in a in a point in a position where I still love it. I still uh, find it. I'm still comfortable with the language. I think it can be used for uh, really in meaningful and successful ways so i don't have any reason to to switch to another language that's awesome i uh
0: my goal this year more is to talk about talk to people in the community and you know there's a lot of like i don't use ruby anymore but there's a lot of us who still use it and so i like to i just like to hear that so
1: yeah i've seen that you recently wrote a blog post about that right
0: I did, yeah. Just kind of instead of being like these are the things I don't like about Ruby, I was kind of like, "Here's why I still use it this year." So, <laughs> the I actually lied. I have one more question. Um, and hopefully, it's a pretty simple question. If for anyone listening who like wants to go start writing Hanami today, um, if you know they build like a stable like 1.3 app, do you kind of have? Uh, in your mind, what the upgrade story to a 2.0 app will look like?
1: Mm, it would be probably uh, not an easy path, Path, to be honest, uh, but because there are differences, uh, for sure. There would be differences. But uh, uh, we are taking uh, this uh, big uh, leap between 1.3 to 2.0, uh, and i feel and that would be the the final the final step the final shape for hanami in the sense that when i released 1.0 i was happy of course but uh to have reached that milestone but i was sure that that wasn't the the final uh shape the final design of the of the project now i think we are reaching the point of maturity where the architecture will change a little bit. Uh, there will be, again, breaking changes. Uh, but don't be afraid about that. Uh, we have a great uh, support. Uh, and uh, I will do more and more videos to explain how to jump from 1.3 to 2.0. As any major release will be, again, uh, not backward compatibilities, uh, but that is for the good of the of the future of the project.
0: Sure. Awesome. I can't thank you enough for joining me. It's uh it's a project I keep my eye on. I I haven't got to build like Hanami projects part of a day job, but I absolutely admire from a distance everything you and the team are doing. So, thank you for not
1: only joining me but, you know, for Hanami. Oh, uh first of all, it was a pleasure to have this uh, this chat with uh, with you. And uh yeah, I think Uh, I am happy to, to help the Ruby community, to give back to the Ruby community. Because again, I'm happy with the language. It's a fantastic language, great community, really friendly and welcoming. So it's my honor to give back to the community.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And for those listening, I will see you next week. Bye.